0: all right ladies and gentlemen you are locked on falcons i am your host aaron freeman and today i am giving you my rapid reaction to the falcons 17 to 14 week three win over the new york giants you are locked on falcons your daily atlanta falcons podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcons.com, RIP. Still going strong on Twitter at Falcons. Still putting up weekly columns over at the Falcon Holic, the SB Nation website for the Atlanta Falcons, and of course, the host of this illustrious Lockdown Falcons podcast or Daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And today's episode, of course, is a rapid reaction coming to you a few hours after the Falcons week three win over the New York Giants by a score of a 17 to 14 with young way Koo hitting the walk off 40 yard field goal to get the Falcons the first victory of the 2021 season, the first victory of the Arthur Smith era. And I'll be up front with you guys. Spoiler alert for the rest of the episode is not going to be as praising as it should be after a win. This was a very ugly win for the Falcons. You can make a really easy argument that they kind of got outplayed by even this lowly Giants team for the better part of three quarters with the Giants generating more yards, more first downs being more efficient on third downs But the Falcons were able to put together two drives late that were allowed to basically snatch defeat from the jaws of or victory from the jaws of defeat. You know, they were better in the red zone. They were penalized less, although you can certainly make the case that some of those penalties going against the giants were very questionable. So I'll be upfront with you guys. You know, I will give the Falcons credit for a strong finish and we'll talk about some of the things that they did. In, on those last two drives to, to get this victory, but this is not going to be your typical, Hey, the Falcons played great. Everything is awesome. And we'll get into some of those reasons why, but let's jump right in to the game summary where things did not start well for the Falcons, really the giants as well, but on the Falcons opening possession, it would have been a three and out if not for a pass interference penalty from the giants on third down. And then on the ensuing third down, the Falcons were quote unquote exotic by putting, in the third string quarterback, Felipe Franks, with him taking the snap and handing the ball off to Cordero Patterson, left tackle, Jake Matthews missed his block and the play was blown up in the backfield on a short yardage play. And, you know, I don't know what that play was supposed to be. Um, and it was weird, especially given that a few plays earlier, Franks was in the game as a tight end to block. You know, Franks' brother Jordan is on the Browns practice squad as a tight end. Maybe the Falcons are thinking they can turn Felipe Franks into the next Logan Thomas as a uh, NFL quarterback converted to the tight end position. But nonetheless, on that third and one play, the Falcons were stuffed for no game and wound up punting to start the game. And the Giants were able to move the ball in their opening drive, thanks in large part to Daniel Jones linking up with backup wide receiver CJ Board for a 38-yard bomb on a go-route against backup Falcons cornerback TJ Green, who was of course filling in for an injured A J. Terrell, who was out of this game with a concussion, and it was mostly a lackluster day for Green and as well as other members of the Falcons' secondary, uh, but he did get a bit of a break as well as other members of that Falcon secondary due to the Giants dealing with several injuries to their wide receiver core with Darius Slayton going down after the opening series Sterling Shepard missing most of the game with a hamstring injury and Kenny Galladay in and out of the lineup dealing with that hip injury that had limited him in practice all week long so the Giants were basically relying on their backup receivers like Kadarius Tony and CJ Board and Colin Johnson for the most part and on that first drive board of course stepped up for that 38 yard play the Falcons defense however would hold strong Uh, Once the Giants were able to move the ball inside the 10-yard line with Grady Jarrett beating a left guard and Ben Bredesen on a swim move for a sack, pushing them back 11 yards, and the Giants weren't able to overcome that loss of yardage, and kicker Graham Gano tried it on the field to hit a 25-yard field goal to give the Giants a 3-0 lead with eight minutes into the game. Then the Falcons kicked things off with a 19-yard completion to Calvin Ridley on the opening play of their ensuing possession, but then they were stopped on the third and three thanks to Ridley dropping the ball. Uh, Daniel Jones on the next possession had an open Sterling Shepard Uh, On the ensuing third and five, but the throw was high and the Giants punted the ball back to the Falcons who then got favorable field position thanks to a 15 yard return by punt returner Avery Williams coupled with a very questionable helmet to helmet penalty on the Giants that started them out at the 40 yard line. But of course, the Falcons couldn't take advantage of that with that favorable field position with a three and out thanks to Calvin Ridley giving himself up on a third and several third and seven several yards shy of the sticks Ridley did lead the Falcons with eight catches on the day for, but for only 61 yards due to a lot of dinking and dunking, despite that initial 19 yard play to start that second possession, as well as a 20 yard play later in the second quarter. But that play on the third down where Ridley gave himself up was certainly a play where he kind of lived up to the reputation and the criticism that I think a lot of people have for Ridley of being a quote unquote finesse, wide receiver. So that was not a particularly great play for Calvin Ridley, as well as the previous drop that he had. Uh, But the Giants started moving the ball. And now that the second quarter was starting thanks to a couple of nice grabs by Kenny Galladay and Sterling Shepard to get into Falcons territory. Uh, Kadarius Hone had a pair of catches to get the Giants into the red zone. And then Daniel Jones couldn't grip a shotgun snap. It wasn't a particularly high snap. He just mishandled it. And the Giants lost 11 yards, knocking them out of the red zone on a first down. And that got, you know, they were able to get some of that yards back, but they had to settle for another field goal from Gano from 31 yards to give the Giants a 6 nothing lead with eight minutes left in the first half. And the Falcons were finally able to get their offense moving with Cordero Patterson getting an 11-yard gain on a run play. It would prove to be Patterson's only successful run of the game as he finished the game with seven carries for 20 yards. Mike Davis was the much better of the two Falcons running backs for the second week in a row. And the Falcons, for whatever reason, uh, felt more compelled to feed Patterson early in the game, giving him five of the team's first half carries while Davis only had three. But later in the game, Davis would start to get more of the workload and the Falcons offense would benefit from that, but we'll get into that later. Uh, meanwhile, the Falcons offense was able to move the ball. Thanks to Ridley converting a third and nine on a 20 yard, gain on a shallow drag route after the catch. That would basically be the Falcons only 20 plus yard gain until the fourth quarter. Uh, further evidence of the team's need to add an explosive weapon uh, to their offensive lineup. Now that, you know, Russell Gage was dealing with an injury and out for this game and the Falcons drive would stall uh, at midfield. Thanks to a drop pass on third down by Olamide Zacchaeus who was replacing Gage in the starting line. Zacchaeus would finish the game with about just three catches, although one of them was a touchdown. But after that, Zacchaeus dropped, the Falcons punted for a third time, but embattled punter Cam Nizalek nailed a 37-yarder that Patterson downed at the three-yard line. Of course, Nizalek was infamous for shanking a couple of punts in the first two Falcons games, prompting the Falcons to bring in veteran Dustin Colquitt during this past week on the practice squad to push him, but it seemingly paid off because Nizalek had punted very well in this game, uh, helped the Falcons win the field position battle. The Giants offense were, was able to punt the ball back with two minutes, uh, thanks to the Falcons defensive stand, with two minutes left in the half. With the Falcons starting off at the Giants' 44 yard line, thanks to the Giants being backed up and barely moving the ball, Zacchaeus would make his second biggest catch of the game with a 14 yarder on the third play of the Falcons drive, but more importantly, he was popped by Giants safety, Xavier McKinney and officials called it another questionable helmet to helmet call, despite, you know, McKinney hitting him with his shoulder, uh, gifting the Falcons eight more yards due to it being half the distance to the goal. And on the ensuing third and goal from the four yard line, you know, Zacchaeus was able to get open on a rub route for a touchdown, giving the Falcons their first lead of the game, seven to six. Then with 93 seconds left in the half, the Giants fumbled the ball on their second play. Isaiah Oliver ripped out the ball from tight end, Evan Ingram. You know, after a 13-yard completion, recovered the ball, gifting the Falcons that favorable field position at their 36-yard line. But then the Falcons gave it right back to the Giants when right tackle Caleb McGarry was beat by rookie outside linebacker Azizo Ojolari, who wound up hitting Matt Ryan, stripping him for a sack strip. And the Falcons were able to keep their 7-6 to six lead going into halftime. And then both teams basically did nothing for the third quarter, kind of exchanging punts on a couple of series. The positive for the Falcons offense was that on their second series of the second half, they started to feed Mike Davis early and often. He was able to get the team out of their own territory uh, with four consecutive runs for a combined 29 yards. But with the boring third quarter coming to a close, the Giants were finally able to start moving the ball. A couple of screen passes at Saquon Barkley. They got a generous spot on a third and five conversion to wide receiver Colin Johnson and that put the ball deep in Falcons territory. Galladay didn't make it 16 yard reception followed up by a defensive pass interference penalty on a pass breakup by Falcons corner Fabian Moreau in the end zone on a fade ball and that put the Giants of course at the one yard line and Barkley scored on the next play on a dive play giving the Giants a 12 to 7 lead and the Giants opted to go for a two point conversion and Daniel Jones trucked Brady Jarrett on a quarterback sweep to give them a 14 to seven lead with 13 minutes left in the game. Kyle Pitts finally showed up at this point in the game, getting his first target of the game on a third and eight on a 10 yard conversion. Two plays later, Patterson, um, despite having a slow day rushing the ball, turned a check down into a 26 yard uh, reception thanks to a brutal stiff arm that he put on Logan Ryan to get the ball deep into the Giants' territory. Backup wide receiver Tajay Sharp converted on a third and four on a quick slant to get the Falcons into the red zone. Then Ryan was sacked by Austin Johnson on the next play, but Zacchaeus would get 14 yards back on the ensuing play to set up the Falcons for a third and two, which they were able to convert on a four yard screen to Calvin Ridley. That put the ball inside the 10 yard line, and Ryan threw. Two questionable passes to Kyle Pitts on the next two plays. The first was an attempted lob that looked like it seemed to be like five feet over Kyle Pitts' head, which is saying something on how how high you got to throw the ball to throw it five feet over Kyle Pitts' head. And it was nearly picked off in the end zone. And he sort of threw up on a desperation lob under pressure to Pitts on the next play, uh, which was a third and goal, and the rookie tight end couldn't reel in the one handed catch uh, with Logan Ryan sort of draped over him. But Ryan was flagged for a pass interference. In the end zone, and that gave the Falcons new life at the one-yard line. Davis was stuffed for no gain uh, before the Falcons were able to score off a play-action fake on a quick slant to tight end. No, not Hayden Hurst, not Kyle Pitts. Lee Smith, Uh, you know, and the Falcons were able to tie the game 14 to 14 with four minutes left in the game. And of course, it's only fitting, given the Falcons offensive struggles, that Lee Smith is a much more effective red zone target through three games than Kyle Pitts has been. And that seems to sum up the Falcons offensive struggles. We'll get into that later. But, you know, with the ensuing possession, the Giants were able to move the ball somewhat thanks to a second pass interference penalty on Moreau against uh, Kenny Galladay, which got them a third down conversion in the ball at midfield, but two plays later, Dante Fowler and the Falcons pass rush would show up. He was able to beat Nate Solder, get a sack strip on Daniel Jones. The Giants would recover, but it was a loss of nine yards and the, gaining you know, just 10 yards on the ensuing third and 19, the Giants were forced to punt the ball at the two-minute warning, and punter Riley Dixon, rather than pinning the Falcons deep, kicked a touchback, giving the Falcons the start of the drive at the 20. Uh, Patterson then made a big play in the passing game with a 26-yard gain on a screen pass. Matt Ryan's next pass with a minute left in the game was to pitch his second catch of the game on a corner route for 25 yards, and that put the ball at the Giants' 25-yard line and certainly in Young way field goal range and the Falcons ran the ball three straight times to run off the clock and young wake who tried it out with two seconds left to attempt a 40 yard field goal. And he nailed it right down the middle and the Falcons had their walk off victory. So again, a rough start for the Falcons, a strong finish with those two successful scoring drives, coupled with the big stop by Fowler on defense uh, on the Giants lone fourth quarter possession and time of possession proved, pit for the toll for the Falcons in the fourth quarter with them possessing the ball 10 and a half minutes to the giants, four and a half minutes and giants being limited to basically two drives. You know, if they had been getting gotten another drive, who knows if this game would have resulted the same. So clearly the Falcons saved their best for last being just two for 30 or being just two for nine on third downs through the first three quarters, but then going three for four in the fourth quarter with all three conversions coming on that penultimate drive that was capped off by the Lee Smith touchdown. They will also get a third down conversion that technically doesn't count. Uh, because it was nullified by a penalty, but on that Logan Ryan pass interference call in the end zone that set up the Lee Smith touchdown. So it wasn't pretty, but it was certainly pretty enough uh, to get the W and those count the same as, uh, you know, the, the pretty wins Um, and we'll get into the grades and seeing how pretty it was or not so pretty for the various phases of the Falcons, offense, defense, and special teams as we continue today's uh, lockdown Falcons rapid reaction. So, I'm sure many of you guys are listening to this episode stuck in bumper to bumper traffic in Atlanta on your commutes to work or wherever you call home and you wind up burning through a lot of gas during your work week. Well, why not get some cash back so that you can save at the pump? You can now do that with a new app called GetUpside. When you open an account on GetUpside, you get 25 cents back per gallon every time you fill up over time that kind of saving starts to add up with some people making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back with GetUpside. You not only save, but you have multiple cash out options with a direct payment to your bank account, PayPal, Amazon gift cards, and more available all the time. And now when you open an account and use our special promo code touchdown, you can get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents back per gallon. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Download the free get upside app available in the app store or on Google play and use our promo code touchdown. When you sign up, that's get upside promo code touchdown to start saving every time you fill up. BetOnline is back and is better than ever and all eyes are now on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season and of course as always BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated website and interface and even more odds props and contests betonline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today with the promo code locked on for a 100% welcome bonus. The Falcons covered as three-point underdogs to the Giants in week three. And although my four-team NFC South money line parlay didn't come through, thanks to the best team on the planet, the Rams, living up to that reputation and taking care of business against the Buccaneers but maybe you guys were a little bit smarter and said look I'm going to bet on the other 3 NFC South teams but no matter how you bet betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing right to your favorite Vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season betonline you're online a sportsbook expert so giving out grades starting with the passing offense i gave it a c- um, you can certainly make the case that this was probably Matt Ryan's worst game of the season so far. He did not play great in the first two games. Um, and we can certainly blame a lot of that on being under too much pressure. And it's not to say he didn't see any pressure today. He was sacked three times or whatever the case may be, but it did seem like in, a, in multiple cases, some of that pressure was due to him playing with happy feet. At least one of those sacks sacks that the Falcons gave up today. I would probably put on Matt Ryan. Um, I think Matt Ryan did a great job on those final two possessions of this game. And on those final two possessions, he went 11 for 12 for 118 yards. Prior to that, he was 16 for 24 for 125 yards. So he nearly matched, uh, his, his total, uh, up to that point on two possessions that he had on the previous, what, eight or nine possessions. Um, but we saw the checkdown offense fully on display once again. Matt Ryan attempted three passes beyond 15 yards. His first to Calvin Ridley was nearly picked because Ridley seemed to stumble out of his break. But I'm not sure it wouldn't have been an overthrow regardless, even if Ridley hadn't stumbled. Uh, Zacchaeus dropped the second one later in that same drive. And then, of course, he hit the the late one to Kyle Pitts on that final drive to set up uh, the field goal. Uh, So, you know, looking at the Falcons' weapons, Zacchaeus. Ridley Pitts all had some key grabs, you know, touchdowns, big plays, et cetera. Um, but they were pretty inconsistent throughout the game. Pitts was an afterthought through three plus quarters with zero targets and, until those last two drives. You know, maybe the Giants, you know, schemed some stuff to stop him. Um, but with Gage out of lineup, you would like to see Arthur Smith in this offense do a better job, you know, finding ways to get him the ball through those first three plus quarters. Hayden Hurst was an afterthought as well. Only had one target all game and that came in the third quarter. He also had a holding penalty. So he too was an afterthought. So the, the two players that you would expect to get a bigger share of the workload with Gage out of the lineup in Hurst and Pitts, you know, were largely afterthoughts for most of this game. So that's, that's a big question mark for this team. You know, last week we talked about how Matt Ryan was checking the ball down and was throwing a lot of passes to the running backs with 30% of his past attempts going to running backs with me citing that the league average in 2020 was 18%. Um, and this week it was slightly higher with 31% of his uh, targets, 36 targets in this game g- going to the running backs due to those check downs. So, um, you know, my initial watch, again, we'll see what the film says. Uh, but my initial watch, unlike last week was it wasn't purely due to pressure. It was just Matt Ryan just getting antsy in the pocket and just checking the ball down and trying to get something out of nothing. But that's probably owed to the receivers not getting open down the field. Right. Which, you know, speaks to some of the question marks that we have. And and we saw that the Falcons worked out John Brown, uh, veteran wide receiver John Brown earlier this past week. And whether the Falcons go out there and sign John Brown this week or find somebody else that can provide some speed and some ability to separate uh, at that position. But the Falcons certainly could use a lot of help at that wide receiver position. And they desperately need somebody that can help them open up this offense because this thinking and dunking stuff is not going to work. Maybe it would work if the running game was a little bit better, but the running game wasn't great. I give them a C uh, with the rushing offense. As I said earlier, Mike Davis was the better of the two running backs. Davis is better running the ball. You know, Patterson's impact tends to consistently come, you know, through the air as a receiver out of the backfield. And he showed that again. He did have um, some really good runs in that first quarter back in the week one game against the Eagles. Um, but, you know, since then has been pretty much quiet in his one good run. He had again today, similar to the touchdown run he had last week was, You know, one that was very well blocked where you had guys, you know, hitting their blocks on the second level and whatnot. And so basically the point of me saying that is basically if the blocking isn't, you know, on par, Patterson's not bringing much to the table. You know, Davis is at least getting yards after contact. Uh, You know, when you see Davis get a three-yard run, you know, more often than not, it's because he was hit one yard after one yard and and fought for the extra two. And and on those plays, Patterson, by and large, is getting just one yard. You know, five of his seven carries went for two yards or less. You know, meanwhile, eight of Mike Davis's first nine carries went for three yards or more. And it was only at the end of the game when the Falcons were bleeding clock where he was starting to get bottled up for less yardage. Um, You know, you don't want to be in a scenario where your offense is predictable uh, with Davis being in the game and that equals a run and Patterson being in the game Equals a pass, but right now it does seem like that's the way that this offense works best. Where Davis gets should get the bulk of the the rushing uh, attempts, in, and Patterson should get a bulk of those uh, pass attempts out of the backfield. And we'll see, you know, if the Falcons finally activate Wayne Gallman, who was inactive for the third week in a row uh, next week, and, and maybe that adds a different wrinkle to the offense uh, or whatnot. But you know, the offensive line still a, is a problem holding back this running game. So it's not all Cordero Patterson. But the point is that if the offensive line isn't doing their job, then he's not doing. It. His job as a runner at the very least. So uh, we'll see what the film says, but, you know, the Falcons struggled in short yardage in this game, but it, it felt like to me, like if the offensive line had played better, you know, Mike Davis, instead of getting 50 yards in this game, probably would have gotten like 70 or 80 yards in this game. So that's why the, the rushing offense gets a bump because I thought Davis did more uh, than what he was allowed to do. Switching to the defensive side of the ball, the passing defense, I give it a C. You know, Daniel Jones' scrambling and mobility did give the Falcons some problems, but not nearly to the degree that Jalen Hurts did in that week one game. So that's a positive to see some improvement there. You know, I wonder if the Falcons' secondary wasn't saved in part due to the injuries to Slayton and Shepard and Galladay. You know, Moreau struggled in this game. Oliver made some good plays, but there was a early rep on the third down where Shepard was able to get easy separation off of him, but Daniel Jones missed the throw uh, due to that speed and quickness. And of course, TJ green just basically looked like a replacement level cornerback. So, you know, it was on the Falcons front to do their job and looked like Grady Jarrett was basically a one man wrecking crew uh, in the early going of the game, but the coverage just wasn't holding up to, to give him enough time to get to the quarterback. But of course, Dante Fowler had the big sack at the end of the game that really sort of saved the Falcons skin there. And that's two weeks in a row where Dante Fowler has come up with a big sack um, to halt a drive, um, you know. On the opposite end, you're still seeing Stephen Means dropping in the coverage a whole bunch of times. And it seemed like just like last week with Tom Brady, Daniel Jones was often finding those soft spots in the zone where Stephen Means was trying to drop. And again, I'm not going to bag on my guy Stephen Means. You know, this to me is simply Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator, needing to do a better job of scheming around his talent and asking Stephen Means to drop in the coverage a dozen or more times a a game is, is just not smart scheming. Um, If you want to use that edge opposite Fowler in that manner, as I said on this past Wednesday's, all 22 review, then put Jacob to Mariner, Ade Deji, or Michael Walker into the lineup. They would be much better fit in that type of role than Steven means is at this point in his career. So, you know, when we talked about Steven means this summer and what his role would be, the expectation was that he was going to basically be a situational pass rusher. And that's not at all how the Falcons have been using. And they've been using him like a coverage linebacker, which makes no sense to me. So overall, you know, I think the pass defense did a good enough job. Can't give them more than the C they did enough. Um, You know, they might have caught some breaks due to some injuries, but they certainly made the plays when they needed to make those plays. So looking at the rushing offense, I give them a C as well. You know, Barkley didn't have his breakout game, just 51 yards on 16 carries. But when you look at his success rate, you know, the Giants running game was much more efficient than the box score seems to indicate 56 percent success rate for Saquon Barkley regular listeners know that I like success rate over yards per carry because I think yards per carry tends to get skewed by long runs, you know, when it comes to measuring running efficiency. And then also in this case, it can be skewed by negative runs and, you know, Barkley's yards per carry, you know, was 3.2, which looks better than what it is in large part, thanks to several negative runs that Barkley had due to the Falcons being able to get penetration up front. So give the Falcons credit for taking advantage of the weakness of the Giants offensive lining and getting those negative plays, getting those tackles for losses. But for the most part, when it was short yardage, type of stuff. Unlike the Falcons, the Giants really had no problem running in short yardage. They had five runs where they had three yards or less to go and they were able to convert four out of those five plays. And, you know, we talked about practice squad additions like Mike Pinnell and Anthony Rush that the Falcons have picked up over the last two weeks. And, you know, I think next week would be a great time to elevate some of those guys to the roster to see if they can help beef up this run defense because currently the guys, as far as things are going, aren't really cutting it. You know, the Giants wound up with 100 yards rushing. Some of that, a lot of that was aided by, you know, Daniel Jones's scrambling, um, but, you know, overall, the Falcons' run defense was nothing more than average. You had some positive plays from guys like Taquan Grant and Marlon Davidson and Grady Jarrett, Foye Olakun and Deion Jones. They, they were able to get some tackles for loss. They were able to get some run stops and whatnot, so credit to those individual plays that those guys were able to make, but overall, they need to do a better job from a rushing uh, defensive standpoint. Moving on to the special teams, A-. minus, Big improvement for Cam Nizalec. Killer Cam Nizalik, you know, living up to his moniker, uh, not killing the Falcons, but, you know, killing other teams when it came to the field position battle. When you look at those open field punts where the Falcons are inside their own 40-yard line, he was able to hit, you know, punts for distance, 58 and fifty one yards. You want to see those fifty plus yard kicks in those situations because you're you're basically just trying to kick the crap out of the ball, the flip field position on those coffin corner punts. So anything, you know, near midfield or inside Giants territory, he was able to get the ball Inside, the Giants 20 on three out of those four punts with the Giants starting drives at the 11, the 14, and the three. So kudos to Cam Niselec for playing uh, well this week after two very lackluster performances. Lackluster is being, me being generous when when we talk about that. young Ku certainly earned his check with the game-winning field goal, kicking that clutch field goal. You know, Borrowing from Matt Bryant and Giorgio Tavecchio, who I, I both believe, I know Tavecchio has one, I can't recall specifically what Bryant's was, but I believe both of those guys have game winning kicks against the giants over there over the past, you know, 12, or so years. Avery Williams had his best days so far of the season with 24 yards on three punt returns. Even Patterson had a couple of decent returns uh, where the Giants weren't able to kick it away from him. So, in a vacuum, you know, I would look at Cam Nizalek's performance and say, look, that was a B level performance from an NFL caliber punter. You know, this was a regular day for Matt Bosher in his prime. This would probably be a below average day for Matt Bosher in his prime. But given where Nizalek was in those first two games, this would be an A performance for Nizalek like when you're grading on a curve. So a minus for the special teams can't give it too much love. Cause again, this would have been a much more closer to normal day for Falcon special teams in, in previous years, but credit to that unit for stepping up big. And I think with the offense struggling, as much as it did in the defense, you know, being a little bit up and down, but mostly up, um, you know, special teams was really, it really came through strong for the Falcons. And I don't think that the special teams had struggled as they had done the first two weeks that the Falcons would have won this game. So kudos to that unit stepping up. Uh, but we'll move on and, and give my final thoughts on this game and talk about why I have not been as praising for this Falcons team after this win and, and part of my issues looking at the Falcons offense and how underwhelming it has been and we'll get into that as we wrap up today's Locked On Falcons podcast but before we get there guys you know I want to let you know about the Locked On NFL podcast which, one, which is one of the national shows here on the Locked Podcast Network giving you a breakdown today on Monday of all the games from Monday all the headlines and whatnot so definitely check out the Locked On NFL podcast after you check out today's Locked On Falcons podcast and you can of course find Locked On NFL on YouTube on Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. So does this sound familiar? you got one device that lets you catch the game live another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your father's brothers, nephews, cousins, former roommate, Deborah's login for your preferred streaming service. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called direct TV stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another, Device again. And best part, besides not having to borrow Deborah's login, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. So, did you know that Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market, has many delicious flavors? Whether you're a fan of coconut almond like me, or you prefer peanut butter brownie, mint brownie cookies, and cream cherry, barcia, double chocolate, salt caramel, coconut, raspberry, or orange, there's something for everyone. And there's also the occasional limited time flavor too, like cookie dough chunk, as well as mint marshmallow, banana cream, or coconut marshmallow. Puff bars now available today. Built bars are great because they taste just like a candy bar. They're containing 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, especially their new puff bars. And you get none of the guilt because they're healthy too, since they're low in sugar and calories, high in protein and fiber. So go order yourself some today by heading over to the website at built.com and use the promo code locked 15 for 15% off your first order. That's promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. So as I said at the top, it was an ugly, a rather unimpressive win for the Falcons. But, you know, you are seeing progress if you want to put a positive spin on things from weeks one to two and now to three, uh, given that the Falcons have played better, played good enough to win uh, in in week three, which was not quite the case in weeks one and two. Um, And so, you know, right now I still see a team that probably is destined to be picking top five in the draft next April based off of their performance so far this season. But you know, they're slowly inching up that power ranking. So, you know, in another week or two, maybe they'll be only picking in the top 10 of the upcoming draft. so we'll see if the pattern continues as this team shows progress and they can get some wins uh, against Washington and the jets before the bye week And obviously if they can get their record from three and two, after this rough start, that will be certainly deserving of praise uh, of head coach Arthur Smith. But, My honest opinion is there's not a lot of praise for Arthur Smith so far, in large part due to the offense being terrible. As I said earlier, the defense special teams are doing their jobs. You know, the defense – Despite earning a C grade, you know, I've been saying for months, if not years, that that's all the defense needs to be under DPs. That's all I expect. Just be good enough to win the game. And that's what the Falcons did. Get some stops, get off the field in third down, get some stops in the red zone, bend, but don't break. That's what the Falcons were on the Sunday against the giants. And that's all they need to be right. And special teams, again, you know, continue to get a minus B plus level performances from that unit. That's more than good enough. That's all we asked for from the special teams, but this offense is terrible. And it's just all around bad, whether you're looking at the quarterback play, the running game, the offensive line, the weapons or whatever, you know, the dinking and dunking is not working with the weapons that the Falcons have, you know, and I tweeted that the 48 points combined that the Falcons have through three games is the lowest output of the Falcons offense. Since 2007 through the first three weeks, it's the worst start of Matt Ryan's career from an offensive output standpoint through, you know, three games, his adjusted net yards per attempt or Anya is 4.85, which is the worst of his career. You know, it beats out the 2011 season where it was 4.97 Thanks in large part to the fact that that team gave up 13 sacks in the first three games compared to this year's team giving up seven. So even when you sit here and say, Hey, the offensive line is bad. They're not giving up 13 sacks bad, Right. And so even if you were to sit here and say, well, Aaron, you know, his efficiency would be better if he didn't have those two fluky interceptions off of tip passes, but still it would be the second worst start of his career. If you were taking those two plays out of the equation, you know, fair or unfair, you know, I don't think uh, Matt Ryan deserves too much blame for the slow start, but you know, Matt, you know, Arthur Smith has to get more out of Matt Ryan. There's this we're, we're running out of excuses, you know, and I, I know, some people are going to listen to this episode and be like, oh, you're so negative, Aaron, and all this sort of stuff. But like if the Falcons can't get significantly more out of their offense moving forward, this team is at best, at best, a four or five win team as it looks right now. And if that's the case, like to me, you, you can't keep blaming the lack of talent as the problem. Because in a world where Arthur Smith is getting this quote unquote four or five win team due to lesser talent to overachieve, you're basically making the argument that this Falcon team has the talent of a two or three win team. And I'm sorry, like you, you're never going to be able to convince me that that's true, right? You know, I would have given this offense a D, probably a D minus if not for those final two grades. To those final two drives of the game to push it up to a C minus, you know, and and that's inexcusable for to see this offense with their talent level uh, getting earning D, D minus type of performances. You know, you saw against this Giants defense, Taylor Heineke, uh, Eric Flowers at left guard, a rookie right tackle that Washington team was able to put a 30 burger on this Giants defense. And the Falcons were couldn't even get into double digits until, you know, 12 minutes left in the game right? For the first 48 minutes of this game. So you can't convince me that the Falcons offense as currently constructed, even down Russell Gage, even down Josh Andrew. I mean, we're, we're at, we're actually sitting here talking about, Oh no, the Falcons are hamstrung because they lost Josh Andrews. You know, you can't convince me that the Falcons are a less talented team than that Washington team was last week. And they put a 30 burger on the Giants. So, um, you know, I know people are going to sit here and be like, you oh, know, what's with the negativity here and who cares? They won. If that's you, more power to you. If you can overlook the fact that this is the worst, the Falcons offense has looked since the days of Joey Harrington and Bobby Petrino. That's more power to you. Kudos to you, my friend, but I, I, that's not me. And you know, I'm going to have coach Singletary break it down. He, He says it in three magic words. That's not me. Can't do it. So, I don't want to, I don't, again, I'm not trying to make it out to be like, it's all bad. It's all doom and gloom or whatever you see in the flashes. You're getting those flashes. You, You especially saw that in the second half of this game. You saw, you know, Mike Davis get things rolling a little bit in the running game on one of those drives in the second half. You saw Kyle Pitts get involved late in the game. You saw Patterson making plays on screens and swing passes and all these various things. But for me, if this was Adam Gase, if this was Sam Darnold, if this was the talent that the jets have had the last couple of seasons, I could understand this type of offensive output. But with the players that we have, with the coaching that we're allegedly supposed to have, can't do it in in my eyes. I'm I'm just tired of the excuses. And, And part of it for me, part of the frustration is that we knew in June that the left guard position was going to be a problem. We knew in June that losing Julio Jones was going to make it difficult for this team to generate explosive plays down the field. And that's what makes it so frustrating is because we've known these things for three and a half months. And essentially, the Falcons have kind of twiddled their thumbs. So at this point in time, like you know, all the people making excuses for Terry Fontenot, all the people making excuses for Arthur Smith. That's why I'm coming down so hard because all I've heard is nothing but excuses when they just sat here for almost four months and did nothing. You know, like I, I I can't, I can't, I can't make excuses anymore, guys. Can't do it. We got to see better results than this. So I'm just over that whole excuse making thing. And again this was to me the perfect opportunity for the, for the offense to have their get right game. And we watched three and a half quarters of them getting it wrong. Um, and they did get it right at the end. So they can build off of that. They can build off of that going into next week and, and take down this Washington defense and expose it as so many other teams have done. The bills put up 43 points on them today. And this Washington defense does not look like this juggernaut that we hyped them up to be going into the season and with team that potentially could be a top five defense. They don't look like that so far, but we know that the Falcons have a habit of, you know, if you need to have your get right game, you know, you, you get it against the Falcons. So hopefully the Falcons can, can reverse that trend. So we'll see how it goes guys. Again, I I know some people are upset with the negativity on after a win, but like, I just cannot just ignore (laughs) the bad football that I had to watch for, you know, 80% of this game. Can't do it. Um, Just because the last 20% was good. Right. And again, last 20% was legitimately good, but, you got to do better than that, especially against this. Gi- like, again, if this would have been a, a playoff cali if this would have been Washington, right? If this would have been Tampa Bay, if this would have been Philadelphia, I would be much more forgiving this. But the Giants are bad, man. You know, and, and basically what we're learning is the Falcons are just as bad, too. And that's what's frustrating about it. So we'll see. And we'll see tomorrow if someone... Our, our guest ha- has a, a little bit more of an optimistic or positive outlook on the results of this game. So if you, if you tuned out today and you're like, Aaron's eh, too negative, maybe we'll have a guest on tomorrow that will be a little bit more positive and, and give you those insights that you're looking for. You know, you want someone to blow smoke up your butt. And, but, uh, you know, someone who's not blowing smoke up your butt. That's uh, Lee Sterling, the handicapping expert on the Locked On Bench podcast every day because Lee's giving you his daily picks, his blowout specials, and his lock of the day. So check out the Locked On Bench podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So there you guys have it. We're going to have Dave Choate on tomorrow's episode, Dave Choate of the Falcoholic, uh, to talk about this Falcon team and, and where they go from here. Arthur Smith, congratulations. You got your first win of the season. Now just do a better job. So that's where we'll leave it, guys. Uh, we'll be back with Dave Choate on tomorrow's episode. And if you have any feedback, if you want to email me or hit me up and say, Aaron, why are you so negative? Or, hey, Aaron, you know, you didn't go hard enough. I needed at least f- four more drops of Mike Singletary in today's episode. By all means, uh, you can do so by hitting me up on Twitter at LockedOnFalcons, on Facebook at LockedOnFalcons, or you can send an email to LockedOnFalcons at mail.com. Appreciate it, guys. Till then.